0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.
1: oh hey what's happening everybody it's brian house here for the work for it podcast and it's another beautiful thursday morning right here in naples florida where i live and uh this is going to be another solo show uh we're changing up the format of work for it just a little bit and uh during that transition you're gonna get some single track stuff just for me you know i'm gonna take a page out of jeff fader's book and uh, some of the other great podcasts that are on the makery network and just go solo for the next few episodes so if you like what we're doing here uh make sure you give us uh you know if you can go out to wherever you listen to our podcast and hit that follow and if there's a rating system give us a rating and write us something nice it really does really does help uh so today i have a few projects going on i am in my workshop i am in my studio And I have been diligently working on kind of a secret project that um, I've been wanting to do for a few years. I talked a little bit about this when I was on the Art of Craftsmanship uh, podcast not, not too long ago just very briefly, just very briefly. I didn't I didn't really allude to much, and I really wasn't sure up until about Monday of last week if I was actually going to uh, pull this off. Uh, so I've always wanted to make a horror film. I don't really like horror films. It's not something I'm that much into, uh, but uh, I really always wanted to make one, and so I thought, you know what? This year, 2020, being the, uh, you know, the mess that it is would be a great year to just take a week and film film what's been in, swimming around in my mind. And uh, so I did that. I actually took the week to do it and I thought it would go faster than that. I actually had most of it done on the first day, but then I had a lot of trouble finishing it. I had a lot of trouble ending the, the video in a way that I felt like YouTube and Instagram would not uh you know ding me for so you know try to keep the violence down <laughs> and I'm not a violent person by any means I am I I just I've always had this thing for um you know like Stanley Kubrick you know kind of like thrillers not so much of a horror film as a as a thriller really so I've been working on that and uh so if you're listening to this on Thursday which would be Thursday October 22nd uh, that will video will be released on Instagram and YouTube sometime this afternoon. But if you're listening to this after the fact, it'll be already be up, so you can go and watch it. And what's kind of interesting about this piece is that um, I did it, you know, primarily because, of course, I wanted to make a film that was scary, kind of a thriller piece. But I also really wanted to make something in a film. And then raffle it off and, and raise some money for one of my favorite charities, which is the humane society. And, uh, so we are raffling off a couple of items from the film. Uh, you'll, you can watch the movie. It's, it's real short. It's like six minutes, I think total, uh, or less. And, um, and then you can uh, buy a raffle ticket on the website housemade.us, and you can buy as many as you want. And uh, there's only 50 being sold, though, so it's a one in 50 chance. And in fact, there's two items that we're giving away uh, that we're raffling off, and all of the money uh, will go to the directly to the Humane Society. We will keep none of it, and it will uh, hopefully give them, you know, like most nonprofits right now. are, any, well, a lot of businesses in general are just having trouble you know, with, with money and finances, and they're trying to pivot. And so all of that trickles down to these nonprofits. So it's really important that we take some time and uh, focus on them as well, because we can't forget about the, all the animals that need a safe place, a safe home to go to. And the Humane Society does an excellent job of vetting people and uh, placing animals in homes and My favorite part about that is that they are a no-kill shelter, so they don't they don't euthanize any of their animals. They'll stay as long as they need to until they can be placed. So I uh, I really felt like that was a a great mission to do. So I spent the last week filming, editing, and then of course my wife Sarah, uh, who sometimes joins me here on the on the Work for Podcast, she joined in and was uh, made a cameo in the film. So. For those of you who don't know uh, about my history, um, you know most of you know that I own a small tech company and uh, that I, you know, make content for YouTube and Instagram and all of that. But my original love, my original purpose, I felt like was to always be a filmmaker, and I tried it out in L.A. and Chicago, and and uh, I really uh, wanted that life, you know, to make movies, be creative. But 20 years ago, when I got out of college. Uh, I graduated in, in the year 2000 from NIU and DeKalb, which is just like outside of uh, Chicago, like a little bit south uh, in the cornfields there. Um, I went through the same film program that um, Robert Zemeckis went through. And Zemeckis is known for, you know, contributing to like Back to the Future films and Contact. He's, he's done a bunch of really great pieces with Spielberg. Uh, I went through that program and had a great time. It was uh a beautiful uh experience there uh four years of of that and uh taking photography. I had my own dark room um you know i I would expose the film and back then we would believe it or not uh we would slice the 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 film reels with uh razor blades in hand and tape them together to make our cuts and all. And that was how I got introduced to film. And then, of course, you know, I went out to L.A., I had friends out there, uh, people that worked on some of the um, the bigger lots out there and uh, kind of got just, you know, wand- wandered through and got a feel for what it would be like to be to start out in production, you know, go be a PA or something. Uh, <clears throat> I quickly learned that LA was not for me. I, I you know, I'm not a California guy, I'm just, you know, there's, I don't fit in there. I don't know why. I, I mean, I love California as a state and the people are great. I just didn't fit in in LA and I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel that way. Uh, so I went back to Illinois and I got a job with, uh, Fox television. So I, I started working with them, and w- the reason why was I did an internship there while I was in the film program and the media production program at NIU, and I uh, helped, you know, at Fox, you know, just with anything they needed, mostly media promotion, uh, work, marketing, things like that, um, which is how I got good at what I do now, uh, you know, marketing my own businesses and and learning about you know the psychology behind. Making a product and then selling it to someone, and and honestly, it's um, you know the you can do it in a way that is beneficial to both parties. You know, I think there's a lot of marketing out there that's negative that doesn't really work, or it's fear-based and it doesn't really work, and or it works and it works for the wrong reasons. And I learned a lot about you know making something and then entertaining people and then integrating you know products into it. It was a uh, it was a beautiful beautiful thing to learn how to do, and back then, even twenty years ago, it's it's still kind of the same now, which is why I think I really like that TV, or well, I guess yeah, it was a TV show um, called Mad Men. That is a uh, really kind of a cool uh, behind the scenes look at what advertising and marketing is. Uh, you know, so if you if you don't already know this, your your attention is a commodity. You know, people will try to gain your attention in multiple ways. Uh, and it's, you know, the way that you decide to where you decide to put that attention is really important, you know, to uh, the economy. And and I feel like traditional media outlets, the, the what we're seeing on TV now and radio, I mean, it's already in the mid transition over to just straight up streaming. And I cut the cord a long time ago. And when I was working for Fox, uh, you know, that's how I ended up in Florida, was that, uh, you know, we were purchased by Clear Channel and, you know, most of the jobs were liquidated, mine included. But during that time, uh, I became very good at building nonlinear digital editing systems. So back then, there wasn't a lot out there as far as. taking video footage and converting it digitally over to um, something that you could work with a nonlinear editing system. So when we say nonlinear, it means like you can edit in the middle, you can edit at the end, you can edit at the beginning, and it doesn't really affect everything in between. Uh, And the reason why it's called that is for that reason, but also because for the longest time, you know, we taped, we legit taped videotape together uh and that's how we made our cuts or we did a b rolls and there was generational loss and all this stuff well non-linear digital editing stopped all that you know solved all those problems and you could edit together a piece very quickly and now i mean gosh 20 years later now you can do it on your cell phone that fits in the size of your pocket in in your pocket this it's so small and i feel like you know i'm dating myself i'm not old man that worked in film and television blah 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 you know whatever but i i do feel like It's important to understand the origination of, you know, these things that we're looking at, because if you think about it, you know, uh, the silent film era wasn't that long ago. You know, we're watching things now that are being produced and made by one person in a small space with limited budget that can draw an attention of more people than, say, uh, the Super Bowl. And they're doing it right on youtube so that's like a pretty amazing thing to be a part of even though i'm a small part of it but it's like wow man you can make something and millions of people will watch it and i'm i'm actually in that club where i have a, a video that has more than a million views and uh, that that video actually was uh shot and edited on my cell phone so It isn't all about equipment. It isn't all about, uh, you know, do you have the biggest space and the biggest budget and you have all these things. What it really boils down to is the story and to keep the attention of the user, the person, the watcher, the viewer, the audience. That's the key. How do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them sitting in front of their screen for five minutes? Solid minutes anymore with all of the distractions. You've got work, you've got kids, you've got, you know, Instagram, you've got all these distractions coming at you constantly from every single direction. How do you keep a human being's eyes and ears on a screen for, say, five minutes? Because that's what YouTube uses as its uh, metric to find out whether or not your content is good enough for them to recommend it to other people. So if you can get 5 minutes out of an out of a an average retention rate on a on a viewer, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. In fact, you would be in the top like 2 or 3% of all people creating content on YouTube. So I strive for those numbers. But at the same time, you have to realize that this is a creative endeavor, right? You're you're creating something that somebody else is going to be inspired by, hopefully, or will watch it and enjoy it and get something from it. That's always been my goal. You know, there's people out there that create content and it's solely based on ad revenue and it's solely based on getting people to be retained in a spot for so long and blah, 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 all that. Get it? I totally get the business end of it. I like to see it as... A creative outlet for me, and at the same time, I can build machines or I can uh, create a, a thriller horror film, and I can produce that and I can push it out to the internet, and it can be whatever it is. And, and that for me, there's more value in that than you know me creating a piece of content that um, is solely based on uh, retention and getting people to sit still and watch so that I can make a dollar, you know, from the ad revenue. I would rather make the stuff I want to make and be creative and do all of that and then, you know, say, "Hey, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't care about the ad revenue. That's fine by me. I can uh I'll, I you know, I make money in other ways." So for me, YouTube is kind of in the middle. It's kind of business, but it's also really more of a creative outlet. And in fact, if I don't make videos, if I don't find the inspiration, which has been my problem recently, um I get really kind of down, you know, in the last episode of Work for it, I had a lot of people reach out to me and say, "Man, are you all right?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I truly appreciate you guys. I am okay. It's not it's not that I'm not all right, but I try to be as transparent as possible cuz I really want people to know who I am and um to also know that it's okay it's a safe space like where you can be yourself and you know if people want to give me shit for being depressed or down or whatever that's fine you know hey i get it um you know what it happens i get people that go oh you know it woe is you you know this kind of stuff and man i get it i know but at the same time you're going. To, you're always going to get the real me. I'm not going to sit and and uh, paint a picture of who I am just because you think it's who I should be. I'm far beyond that in my life. I think most people are, and when they hit their forties, you know, they realize, like, dude, it's not worth it. I'm not going to be fake anymore. You know, I'm not fake with my customers anymore. I'm just like, hey, this is the way it is. You don't want to pay, or you don't want to do this. I'm not your guy. I don't gel with you anymore. It's fine. I totally get it. No hard feelings. Shake hands. Walk away. And when you get to that point in your life, it's kind of a beautiful freedom that you didn't have before, because a lot of the things that you ended up doing up until that point was because you were fighting for that dollar. You were looking for it. You're digging deep, you, you know, wanting to be successful, you know, basing your, your value on the, your ability to make money, uh, which is, you know, a cultural thing in America and, and you know, probably a lot of other countries as well. And, when I think back on it, I don't regret it, I don't, but at the same time, I compromised some things for myself, and I didn't, and I wish I hadn't, but at the same time, I needed to climb, you know, I needed to get up, I was just clawing my way out of the lower class and just working, 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 and um, you know, of course, obvious sacrifice every single day, every single day from I sacrificed my health, my time with my kids, my families, and it was just like, well, you know, I look back on it now, though. And I still don't have any regrets. I, I did it the way I wanted to do it. I wrote my own story, my own, took my own path, and that's, that's the way I wanted to do it from the beginning. So uh, I have no regrets. Um, you know, I, I think that if I didn't have this realization, though, in my 40s, had I died doing that, I, or on my deathbed, I would probably definitely have regrets. So at some point, you have to find balance, right? You're gonna be pushed, you're gonna be uh, most likely inside. There's an internal clock ticking inside of you, and in a blink of an eye, man, in a blink of a friggin' eye, 20 years goes by 20, and then you think to yourself, like, damn, I was just that moron coming out of college 20 years ago. That happened, wandering around, you know, chasing girls, doing my thing, and whatever else. And wanting to be a filmmaker, you know, wanting to create content, but YouTube didn't exist back then. Or if it did, I didn't know about it. It It's probably in early stages of development, but it wasn't something that I had access to. I, I couldn't like just make something and like put it to the internet and then show it to a bunch of people. Just that didn't exist. And then YouTube came along and I started contributing to it, you know, in the early stages of it in 2008. And I realized, wow, that's something I could do. At some point, that's something I could do. But I set it aside for my professional endeavors. So getting back to talking about what was going on with Fox television and creating nonlinear digital editing systems, I was learning about computers. I was learning about technology. I was always learning more about that. And then Bang! Lost my job. I was forced into the technology field. I realized that media was changing. You know, um, streaming services were becoming a regular thing. Um, You know, uh, television was not a real uh, the same. Film was not the same. You know, all these things are going to be changing in the next fifteen years. So I got into technology because that's what made me money, and I wanted to uh, do that stuff that I was on the fringe, you know, I, at least, okay. So I can't make films, but I can make the machines that help make the films or help make the TV. And that excited me too. Not as much, but it excited me too. But there was definitely a compromise there, right? So every single day I would wake up and think to myself, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do to like pursue this YouTube dream, this goal of creating content? This, you know, what am I going to do? And I would think about it and I spent years thinking about it. I was raising my kids they were real little, uh, you know, so there just wasn't a ton of time out there. There just wasn't, it didn't, it didn't exist. And then, uh. I think it was like, you know, I told the story before about 08, 09, where I started generating some income, media um, income from ad revenue on YouTube. I got like a hundred dollar check in 2009 and I realized, oh my God, I, I could, and that was with one video. I realized maybe there's something to this and I added more and I added more and I did more and I started captaining and I, and I started making money that way and making films while I was doing it, going out fishing, camping out in the islands. Uh, Taking my family out there with my kids and going shark fishing, doing all that. And, uh, you know, my first video on my channel, um, I don't know, it's got a quarter of a million views now. And it's just me throwing a cast net. You know, if you think about it in terms of, you know, how many people have watched me throw a cast net, uh, it's just it's kind of ridiculous. You know, and you think, wow, that generates like, you know, now it probably generates like a dollar a month or something in ad revenue. But it's just something. And it's what I wanted to do. It's what I wanted. And and I was making a little bit of money at it. So I realized, okay, now I want to invest my in myself a little more. And I want to do a little bit more of this and take more time at this. But I've got a full blown tech business now going where I've got three employees. I'm, you know, now instead of just making nonlinear digital editing systems, we're making gaming systems, we're building and fixing laptops. So we are in full-blown IT mode. You know, we're creating, I'm building a business basically with me and a few other guys um, who are working for me directly. And I realized, like, I have no time for this filmmaking stuff. I, I just don't. And I wish I, I, I wish I did. I wish I had taken a little bit more time. But, you know, it was a dream that just sat in my back pocket. <clears throat> it just sat there. You know, and every day I would think about it and go, you know what, I could be making YouTube videos right now. I could be doing that. But of course, I'd be broke. And, uh, you know, my kids wouldn't have food or shoes or any of that stuff. So, you know, you compromise a little bit more every day, the compromises come, you know. And then uh, about when I was 35, 36 years old, I got cancer. And that was like, a oh, big wake up call. You know, I, ha- I had, um, multiple melanoma, skin cancers all over me. And, uh, I had, um, one on my back that they thought had metastasized and moved to my liver. And that was like the scariest part of my life right there. Looking at my little kids, my, my boys, you know, so small. I'm thinking to myself, this is what killed Bob Marley. He was 36. Um, So I got all my surgeries, you know, I got all the the things done that I needed to get done, you know, went through all the the recovery stuff and it did not metastasize. It was just on my skin surface, you know, all those little, you know, little cancers, there was eight of them all over me. They had to reconstruct my right ear. So I've got like half of my right ear was chopped, you know, off and then they rebuilt it. I went to a, a good plastic surgeon to have that done. And uh, probably by the time I was like thirty nine I was fully healthy again, I think, and um through all of that, and then um and then it was like midlife crisis central for me, you know, even though i was thirty nine most people don't hit midlife crises, probably until they're in their forties or whatever. but I went through a bunch of those, just even not you can't really call them midlife crises, but I went through like these. These moments where um, even in my 20s where I just would feel like I'm running out of time. I am running out of time every day. Most house men, like the men in my house, like or men with the last name of house in my family, they're all dead by 70. That is a common age. So at 35, you do the math, I'm midlife, right? Uh, hopefully I'll live longer than 70, but I don't uh, foresee it. My dad is still alive. He's 74, 73, 74. And so um, he's, he's outliving everybody else. So, you know, if I think about it, I just all the time was thinking, I'm running out of friggin' time here, man. Like I have got to do something with my life that isn't just like doing computer work and fixing things and customer service and, you know, all this stuff. So I realized like um, about – Oh, I don't know. must've been about a year ago. We, uh, we got a chance to purchase the space that I'm in now. If you watch my YouTube channel, you can see the, you know, the studio space and you follow me on Instagram. I take pictures all the time. It's small. It's like 600 square feet, but the ceilings are high. Built a little loft in here. I've got a grind room in here. You know, I started doing my, my filming in here and creating, um, My tools, I got really sucked into knife making and metal treatments and working with steel, um, rebuilding a motorcycle and just doing all these things that I was really passionate about. You know, I really wanted to learn about and I really wanted to do. And I just kept plugging away every single day, you know, making stuff and slowly transitioning myself and moving somebody that was in my staff up to leadership so that that I wouldn't have to focus so much on my computer work. Uh, I'm still running the the day to day stuff, the business, the books I do all of that um, all the advertising, all the media buys, everything else I do all that and then uh, occasionally i'm I'm still out running service calls with the guys you know helping them out pulling cable and and making sure that the jobs are being done right uh I am still heavily involved in it, but not to the point where it was like eight to ten hours a day. Uh, I've cut that down to, you know, probably about four, you know, four hours a day. I get involved with that business so that I could take the other four to six hours and focus on content creation and my own personal artistic endeavors. And I was lucky enough to be able to do that at 42 years old and not lose any income. In fact, uh, now because of the what we've done with the grinder company and uh, YouTube and um, all the the different avenues that we're doing now diversified income, uh, we have, uh, I now make more in that regard, uh, but it gets dumped all back into. So the revenue is higher, but uh, you know it's getting all dumped back into uh, expansion as far as uh, the business goes because my goal is to grow Housemade and to make it a, a bigger business than I ever had over at Paradise and just grow it, grow it, grow it because this is my uh, what I like to refer to as my long shot. Now, in inside of one year, I have done what it took me 15 to do over at Paradise. So if that gives you any sort of um, reference point to understanding how important experience is when you start talking about business, all of the things that I have learned over time that I learned in my tech business, I applied to Housemaid and i immediately stepped up it was unfriggin believable how quickly we were able to grow our revenues and push out what we what you know in less than a year here it took almost 15 in the other business and that's because i applied all those things that i've learned over time now is it perfect? Is it like a living situation? No, I can't live off of my YouTube income or, or the grinder business. I can't do that, but that's okay. That's just the beginning. We are just starting the seeds in the ground in the fertile ground. That is this new Renaissance, this new avenue, this new place to now sell your goods and your services. And it's called the internet. You can sell to anybody in any country, and you can have conversations with people all over the world and you can make collaborations and you can tie in business dealings. And it's the same exact principles, but your market is enormous. It's huge. It's global. It's everywhere. And you can do it. And it's like, to wrap my mind around that, I didn't believe it at first, you know? And when we released the plans for the grinder, we released the, the, um, the parts the reception was just absolutely huge. You know, I would wake up every morning and go, holy smokes, look at this. You know, look at how many orders we have today. This is amazing. And, and you know, the, it wasn't so much that I created something that was super original, but I created it. And while I was doing it, I was giving you all, most likely you and everybody else on YouTube that is watching, I was giving them every single bit of information and walking them through the process of the design, getting them involved in the design and creating something that they felt like they had a part of. So it was an easy sell at that point. And, and it was like, they, by using their dollars, were voting for me to be successful. All I had to do, Was be transparent. I had to sit down and have like a pep talk with myself and go, Are you really going to show that? Are you really going to talk about that? Are you really going to do it? And I realized that was the value. Not me going, Hey guys, next week there's going to be the super secret project coming out and blah, 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 and then release the plans, release the grinder. Uh uh. The journey getting there was the value. And it didn't matter to most people. I I would imagine a lot of people that bought the plans never built the machine. They wanted to support me. They wanted to support what I was doing. They believed in me and they wanted to to vote with their dollars and they did it. So if you could use what I have learned and the stories that I'm telling you now about creating content, building a business online, whatever it might be. It could be that you're making knives, you're making hammers, you're a blacksmith, you're a painter, you're a poet, you're a filmmaker, you're whatever. Your journey to get there is just as important as my journey where I was going. It's just as important. People are going to want to follow along. And just like in the real world, some people will like you and some people won't. And that's okay too. And just like in the real world, some people will not like you and not say anything. And just like in the real world, some people will not like you and tell you about it. And that's okay too. Tons of negativity comes my way and I chalk it up to just being a public figure and that people are going to do that and that's okay. And usually I ask them, hey, are you all right? Everything okay? And most of the time I get no response. You know, somebody's trolling me or, you know, being super negative towards me. I like to think of it as them resonating their own internal negativity, and what can I do, but help, ask, say, "Hey, you want If you ever want to talk about it, let me know." Most of those people don't take me up on that. A couple people did, and uh, and I'd like to think that maybe we talked through some things and it helped them. But this journey, this ride. Of going on, creating a business on YouTube and content creation on Instagram, and uh, exposing myself through the podcast here, like you're listening to me right now, those are all super risky things for people that feel like they want to be private. You know, they want they don't want people knowing what they're up to, they don't want people looking into their lives and you know questioning their decisions or whatever look, I don't like it either. I don't like people going, Hey, why'd you do it that way? And, um, just like any criticism, it's like, well, who the fuck are you? You know, like, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to explain myself to you, but here's what happened is that through that process, I was able to learn a lot as long as I was open to it. So some people saying to me like, Hey, you know, why'd you do it this way? Or you're a moron, you shouldn't have done it this way. And I go, okay, well, you're offering me a lot of criticism without any solution. Tell me what you would do. Nine times out of 10, they don't respond because they just really want to criticize. But there are people who will respond and will help and will educate you. Are they the best at it? Probably not, but they took the time to say something. So I listen, And I learned that through this process. I learned that I can be open to criticism because you get a lot of it and you can do all that and still be successful and still rise to the surface, rise to the top if you want. You can do it in in any endeavor. It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you expose yourself a little bit, transparency is big, it's huge. People want to follow along with your story. They want to know you, get to know you, especially now like with quarantine going on, there's not a lot out there that, you know, uh, as far as like content and media creation is concerned, there's not a lot being produced right now out of Hollywood. And, and you know, if you notice, you're going through Netflix and you're going through Hulu and it's a lot of the same old shit. Well, it's because the lots have been shut down. You know, people aren't working. So guess what? Step up. Make your own. Get noticed. And then use that. Leverage it. Find something you want to make and sell or or not, or, or just, you know, help people along the way, collaborate and make friendships. You know, there is a lot out there that has yet to be unearthed in regards to social media and building businesses on social media. But just like anything, it comes with a price, you know, you're never really off the clock. If you notice, you message me sometimes, I'm up at four in the morning responding to emails and responding to Instagram messages or Facebook messages. I'm helping people. Even the people that did not buy from me, did not have anything to do with what I'm doing, did not contribute to me financially at all, I assist because I have knowledge that they need or they want. And if I can assist them, I will. And I do. And that right there is how you build relationships and you build a business online it's like you're standing there. There's no difference. It's as if the person is right in front of you and they're watching you do what you do and you're giving them something of value. Now, there's a lot of people out there that'll just want to take, 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 you know, they, they don't want to, uh, contribute at all. You know, they don't want to help you at all. And, And you, you can give, you know, it's a give and receive. You can do that, but you know, don't get drained. Don't, don't let it drain you too hard because, Um, the bigger you get, the less responsive you can be. And it's, it's just uh, one of those things where you have to just bide your time. You know, you have to really make good decisions based on where you're going to place your time. So getting back to the filmmaking, how does that tie into any of this, by the way? It's like, Brian, what the hell? Like, man, you went from making films, working for Fox television, you know, doing all this stuff. And then Now you're an IT guy and you're making this, you know, business and this money and this path that you're on. And and then all of a sudden, like a year ago, you decide, oh, I just want to be on YouTube and I want to make that happen. The point of all of this is I never gave up my dream. And my dream still has yet to really fully become a, a real thing. It has yet to be realized. I'm on my way there and I'm sharing the journey with you. Because I feel like, again, the journey is the value. You're seeing what I'm doing every day. And I'm hopefully inspiring you to do the same thing. Don't let that dream die. Don't. Just freaking don't. Every single day, get up, do one thing that makes that dream a reality. Because you can do it. And right now, there's never a better time than right now. Somebody always said to me, like, when's the best time to like quit your job and focus on your dream? There's never a good time. Somebody asked me, when's a good time to have children? There's never a good time. You just do it. You go for it. And you work for it. And that's what I do every day. I work for it. And I, uh, I think my favorite part about all of this is hearing the success stories of people who have heard and watched me do something. And then they go and, and do it. You know, like uh, uh, about a year ago, I made a video about converting a ceramic kiln to run on a PID controller so that you could heat treat your own knives. You know, some of these guys can't afford a really nice heat treating kiln, uh, like a commercially made one. And you can go online, you can find uh, on Facebook, you can most likely find an old decommissioned uh, ceramic kiln and you can convert it. And with a thermocouple and a little bit of basic wiring, you can make yourself your own kiln. And that's awesome. And that's amazing. And I did it, and I made one. And I heat treat my a lot of my steel in that thing. Every, you know, not every day, probably, you know, once a week or so. And I filmed the process. I shared it to the internet, and now I get pictures of people that have the exact same thing built. They made it, and it's just like the grinder. The grinder's like that, thousand times over. Multiple people, multiple thousands of people built that thing all over the world, but. You know, like see the ceramic kiln conversions, and you know people, um, you know making knives that are you know look similar to the stuff I'm doing. Hey, I'm happy to inspire you. If I can do that, man, I left something behind that matters. I wasn't negative. I was positive. I, I injected good into the world, and that is what makes this all worth it. Man, to me, it's all every single hour, every single minute of my day that I get up and I think about what the true purpose of my day is. And it's to inspire and to help others. And, you know, make some money, too, because I need that. I need to make money. I have to. I'm a capitalist at heart. Deep down inside, I believe that capitalism is one of the best systems in the entire world. Alan Greenspan said it the best. He said capitalism has brought more people out of poverty than any other system known to man, any other economic system known to man. And I believe in that. Not because I believe that there should be income diversification as wide as it is, because I think we do have some problems there. But because it gives guys like me purpose every day to wake up and go and work for it. Every single day I wake up, I know I have to hustle. Capitalism did that to me. Capitalism made me hustle. And during the process of that hustle, I discovered that I have value and that I have worth because I contributed to the ongoing growth of my society. And I'm leaving behind all that good shit on YouTube and hopefully some here too on podcast and Instagram. So, getting back to one other thing I want to talk about real quick. Speaking of capitalism, speaking of good marketing and good audio. Today's work for it podcast is brought to you by IsoTunes they decided to sponsor some shows, I think all shows, on the Makery Network, and they sent us all headphones. Now, some of us got different uh, styles of headphones, and um, here's a problem that I have in my workshop. So, I wear safety masks, PPE, all the time, and I need ear ear protection uh, because the grinder is loud, my cutoff wheels are loud, everything in here is freaking loud, right? The problem is, is I can't wear my mask, you know, that cool white mask that I always wear in some of my videos and my ear protection at the same time. I have to have like these little tiny earplugs that I shove in my ears and and they don't get in the way of the helmet. Well, Isotunes has this new product called Isotunes Link. Oh, no, wait, is it the Link? Hold on, let me grab it. They're like little earbuds. I don't know, there's no name on these. Isotunes free, I think, is the name of them. Uh, let me look here. Doesn't this one says IT-14 V1, but I think they're called iTunes Free. And what they are, if you can imagine, they're like uh like an earbud, but there's no wires. They're all Bluetooth, right? And they go into my ears. And as I'm working, I can be listening to my music and they do not get in the way of any of my other PPE. You have no idea how important that is to me because instead of listening to my music now, which I can't hear if I'm wearing my traditional uh, ear protection, I now pop these into my ears. They not only play music and podcasts and everything else that's going into my ears, but they also protect my ears from everything on the outside. So it is a perfect, perfect collaboration between audio and safety. So you can go over to isotunes.com. You can find them anywhere on the internet, Amazon too. I actually went to their website because after they sent us these free uh earpieces, these free free uh headphones I was like, you know what, I I would like another over-the-ear model for when I'm not wearing my helmet, and uh, so I bought the early release of the Isotunes Link, which is like these big, uh, you know, they look like the old-style headphones, big big ear protectors, but they also pump music into your headphones. And I bought those. And if you sign up for their little newsletter, you get 10% off. So I think I walked away with another set of these with the, the iTunes link uh, early release for like 65 bucks shipped to my house. Uh, awesome, awesome collaboration between us at the Makery Network and Isotunes. So make sure you go out and find those uh, online. I, I think it's cheaper to just buy them directly from Isotunes. So Isotunes, thank you for uh, contributing to my safety and my enjoyment in my workshop. As always guys, it has been a pleasure to hang out with you in my workshop and studio and I hope you are having an amazing week and I hope to hear from you. You can uh, write in on uh, Instagram, shoot me a DM with any questions. I know I haven't gotten to all those questions that uh, were sent to me a couple of weeks ago. With the uh, the the piece coming out, the new Halloween piece, I have been stacked up. I really focused and worked hard on that piece, so I hope you really enjoy it. So go out on Instagram or YouTube tomorrow. Oh, say not tomorrow. This, it would be Thursday afternoon, and hopefully you'll see it. And uh, I'll promote it a little bit so you guys can hopefully find it and um, get a get into that Halloween season and get scary and get dark and uh, have a little fun too. So anyway, guys, appreciate you so very much. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Brian House, and this has been the Work For It Podcast.
0: If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.